0: Before we start today's show, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Six Zero Strength and Fitness, Six Zero Football Academy down in Centennial. Make sure you check it out at six zero strength.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Zero Academy. Uh, we put four hundred plus kids into college in ten years and we are the bridge to the next level. Uh, with 27 going last year and a cool 15 already committed for next year's college football class. So if you're a parent or a kid out there looking for the bridge, we can help you. Check out 60strength.com and do not let the recruiting process overlook you. Come walk the bridge at 6-0.
1: Welcome to episode
0: 81 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from the bar and studio, the DNVR bar and studio down here off of Colfax. This place is absolutely incredible. Uh, Game three of the Nuggets Lakers kicks off tonight. You definitely need to come down here and watch Nuggets Lakers tonight, cheer on your Denver Nuggets after that heartbreaking defeat uh, in game two, which literally had me on the floor. But like I said, this is episode 81 of McChesney Unchained, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. We're going to start right off the bat with telling you about the show a little bit. Uh, Today we've got Alan Fanica on the show, and uh, I'm excited to have such a legendary offensive lineman on to talk about some of the problems that we saw with Denver's offensive line and some of the good things that we saw with Pittsburgh's, try and build on some of the problems that the Steelers seem to be overcoming and and the Broncos seem to have an Achilles heel. Uh, So we'll talk to Alan Fanica about that, NFL great, and my ex-teammate with the Jets, and then we will also dive into the NFL as a whole. We'll talk about four or five games. And then, obviously, wrap up the Broncos and the Steelers and give you a little bit of a peek into Tampa Bay as they come into town this weekend. Uh, and there's about 6,000 fans that get to go as well. So, congratulations to everybody that gets to go down and watch the Broncos. Um, we will also be doing the Turning Point. And the Turning Point is going to be our new film breakdown here at DNVR. And uh, hats off to Adam and Allie and Ryan and everybody that have that busted their ass to set it up. And I'm pretty excited about it. So we'll have the turning point will be up at the You can go check it out. Uh, I'll be posting it at 6-0 Academy and then at DNVR Unchained also. Uh, and it'll be something that you'll definitely get a lot of eyes on as we move forward. We'll be breaking down the Broncos protection problems from the Steelers game uh, this week on the turning point. So check that out. All right. So let's get into this. <clears throat> right off the bat. NFL week two. It's still weird. No fans in the stands. Uh, sorry that I've got the raspy voice. It's that honey sweet baritone. Actually, this is what coaches sound like. So I've been chewing ass all morning. So I'm, I'm a little raspy to say the least. Uh, I'm also yelling at the television a lot when the nuggets are on. So my voice is gone. Um, I'm going to start off in New England, Seattle. And I know it's the nightcap on Sunday, but it was... One of the best NFL games I've seen in a while. After watching Russell Wilson's performance week one against Atlanta, for him to go back out and do that against the Bill Belichick, led defense, and I could really care less who's on defense with Bill Belichick. You know they're gonna play well. That early mistake, Olsen, you know, dropping the pass and McCourty taking it in, putting him down seven-nothing for him to play the way he did in that game. Russell Wilson's gotta be leading candidate for MVP right now. And then Cam Newton, man. I mean, look, <clears throat> I, don't, I hear a lot of people bitching and moaning about the Broncos quarterback situation, and trust me, we'll get into that. But I hear a lot of, well, why didn't we go after Cam Newton? I don't think it would have worked in Denver. They would have tried to make Cam fit a scheme rather than Josh McDaniels, a guy I played for here in Denver, and Bill Belichick, who are notorious for getting a player in, in the, inside the walls up there in New England. And kind of morphing the system around them. I mean, they did it with Tom Brady for 20 years. And they've done it with Cam, Cam Newton. And this team is scary. And if they can control the line of scrimmage the way they did and, and they are bringing 11-on-11 11 11 you with Cam Newton as a runner and then he can throw the ball for 400-plus yards, so damn near, 370, whatever it was, that team is scary. And I still think they're the best team in the AFC East until Buffalo wins that division and beats them and they host a playoff game i got to roll with New England. So that was one hell of a game, and, you know, whenever Seattle and New England gets together, it's pretty good. Uh, Carolina and Tampa, and I just wanted to touch on this because of two things. Number one, the injuries. Christian McCaffrey is a guy that went down. He's out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. That's terrible. Uh, Colorado pride Christian McCaffrey. But Carolina is a young, spry defensive football team, kind of similar to what the Broncos have. They can get after the passer. Uh, You know, they've got a a lot of really young talent that's cutting their teeth and trying to learn. And Tampa Bay went in there and and mopped them up 31-17, and Tom Brady looked okay. I'm not going to say good, but he looked okay. Mike Evans got on track seven catches. So I'd like to think that Tampa – I'm not going to say that I want Tampa to hit stride coming in to to, uh, empower, but it is going to be a highly competitive game on Sunday – and I don't think there's going to be a lot of people picking the Broncos. So the Tampa looked decent. They're going to want to improve this week, and they're going to use the Broncos as a stepping stone. After talking with Ryan Jensen, the center for the Bucks, a uh, guy that I've been working with for years and years and years down at 6-0, they are chomping at the bit to go out here on national TV, on Fox, and, uh, and get after it at Empower Field. So keep your eye on Tampa all week. That's going to be an interesting matchup. <clears throat> Three, uh, Baltimore and Houston. Now, Baltimore and Kansas City play on Monday night, and I'll talk about Kansas City after this one. Uh, Houston has got to be disappointing. I mean, if you're if you're sitting there and you're DeAndre Hopkins, or if you're uh, Deshaun Watson, you've got to just be so so pissed off that DeAndre Hopkins didn't hit the wall that Bill O'Brien said he was hitting. He's leading the NFL, essentially, in receptions, and he had another eight or nine on Sunday for an upstart Arizona team that's 2-0. Kyler Murray sure does look happy. Uh, Deshaun Watson has a depleted offensive roster, in my opinion, an aging J.J. Watt, and a, just a defense that doesn't look like they're up to snuff. Now, of course, they're playing good football teams at the beginning of the year, so we'll see what happens when they start playing the AFC South. More primarily than just all these good teams back to back to back on national TV, so Houston right now looks like a team who's not going to be in the playoffs. Even after paying Deshaun Watson, you can't go get you can't get rid of DeAndre Hopkins and expect to get better. That's an idiotic move. Uh, at some point, J.J. Watt's going to move on from Houston as well, and he'll either have the Reggie White trail where he goes and is very very you know competitive on a good team, or the Bruce Smith way where. You know, he just goes and he's a guy for a couple more years and then he's done. Um, Baltimore is scary. The Ravens, I'm very interested to see what Monday night looks like against Kansas City, but the Ravens are another team that can go straight 11-on-11 on on you with the quarterback being a major weapon running the football. They are really, really good on defense. I mean, scary good on defense. And I don't think that you're going to get three crap performances by – by Jackson and that team in the playoffs in a row. So Pittsburgh and Baltimore are going to slug it out for that for the division crown, and Cleveland's probably going to be fighting for that last wild card. With whoever doesn't win the division getting one of the higher wild cards with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I'm telling you, man, the Ravens are a very, very scary team. But, again, the question is going to be can they do it in the playoffs? They host Kansas City Monday night. That game is – if you're not excited about Mahomes and Jackson, you don't like football. Four, the the battle in SoFi between the Chargers and the Chiefs, I'm not going to elaborate on the first three and a half quarters, but the last eight minutes of that game, when the, the Chiefs are down 17-6 to six, and all of a sudden 17-9, to nine, and then all of a sudden they're 17-17, and then you're like, damn, Patrick Mahomes, what can't you do? Justin Herbert went for over 300 in his debut, looked really, really good, the rookie from Oregon. Uh, just for Anthony Lynn, his head coach, to come out today and say that Tyrod Taylor is definitely the starter, and Herbert's a backup for a reason, and yada, yada, yada. Not very happy uh, that Tyrod didn't play. I don't know. I'd be pretty pumped if my rookie quarterback went for 311 um, and, and pushed the Super Bowl champions the way they did. Uh, Kansas City. Kansas City's going to get everybody's best shot, and they should. Patrick Mahomes is, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's already a Hall of Famer. And he just keeps getting better and better and better and better. That defense is going to be scary when they figure everything out uh, and they can really rush the passer and they get some good leads as they were trailing all day on Sunday. So Kansas City, the Chargers, that was a hell of a football game. So far, looks like it's really nice. Empty, but really nice. Um, lastly, Raiders Saints last night. Another, the, the Death Star. Let me just reiterate this, Raider fans. The Death Star is not where opponents' fears go to die. It's where the Empire went to die, dummies. twice, in two movies. They got racked in the first movie, or the fourth Star Wars, and they got racked in the last Star Wars when it blew up completely. So I know you're trying to be tricky and shit, but the Death Star is where the Empire dies, which I think that's the side you're on. But that's, just leave it to the Raiders. Uh, But I will say this, their new stadium is incredibly nice even though it was empty and the weird. Uh, but it, it, it's nice to see that finally the Raiders have a home uh, after years and years and years and years of just the most decrepit, awful situation in, in history at Oakland Alameda. I mean, that place,
1: there were times
0: where shit would be falling out of the ceiling in the locker room on you when you were getting ready to play. So that place was trash, and I'm sure that the players are glad they're out of there. And they sure did look like it last night as John Gruden's experiment seems to be working, at least on offense. Uh, as they're now 2-0, and they took care of Drew Brees' Saints last night on Monday Night Football and looked good doing it after coming back from a 17-3 to deficit. So Carr seems to have it figured out. Uh, they can get after the passer when it's even or they're leaving, and Jacobs is the truth. That guy can really play. So... Look, the Raider way of doing things, trading an elite pass rusher to get multiple first round picks and yada, 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 yada. This is something we're going to be talking about later in the show. Wink, wink. So, uh, the first, you know, th- those games were elite, in my opinion, and the ones that you really need to be looking out for as we move forward here uh, into week three of the National Football League. So, uh, it's my pleasure to bring on my uh, friend and ex teammate, Alan Fanica, uh, an LSU Tiger, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and New York Jets and one of the best offensive linemen of all time uh, here on McChesney Unchained, episode 81 from the DNVR studio down here at the bar off of Colfax. Uh, We bring on Alan Fanica on episode 81. And episode 81 rolls here as we bring on my ex-teammate with the New York Jets, Mr. Alan Fanica, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler great, LSU Tiger uh and future hall of famer into the national football league that is coming sooner than later that's for damn sure alan thanks so much for coming on episode 81 uh and sharing some of your expertise here with uh, the unchained nation here on dnvr.com uh alan fanica joins us alan how you doing brother doing good man how's it going it's going pretty well if if you're a Steeler fan it's not going too well if you're a bronco fan uh right first and foremost right off the bat a guy that like a guy in me who I couldn't stay healthy to save my life. And my body just every time I got healthy, it gave out on me again. And a guy like you who played as long as you did, who relatively stayed pretty healthy in your career, what do you make of Sunday's pandemic of injuries right before we get into the, this scheme of Pittsburgh Denver?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, there's so much of it is, is luck, man. Right. Like don't get caught by the pile, man. Uh, um you know th- there's luck involved and there's uh you know there there's thought behind how that luck happens you know what i mean there's like a process uh one of my old line coaches Russ Grimm used to always say man run your feet you know that pile is coming always i mean he used to preach it so much and it was almost kind of became second nature and and no doubt that might have saved me a couple injuries uh, along the way just from keeping that attitude uh and how i play the game um you know luck good luck bad luck and There's just, you know, there's shit you got to be able to stop, man. It's just, you know, it's just the way the game is. It's, you know, it's it's football.
0: 100% injury risk. And and it's funny that you say you bring up the pile. Right when I got activated with the Dolphins, my fourth season, bam, within 15 plays, the pile rolled up on me and my knee was gone. And I wasn't even doing anything. I was just walking back to the huddle. So it's, you know, a lot of it is luck. And and do you think that the new turf – and the way that they're manufacturing this new turf has something to do with it because there's a lot of conspiracy theories out here right now about that. I played on grass the majority of my life. Where do you stand on that?
1: You know, I think it's a lot better than it used to be, man. I used to play, you know, I had some games on the, the original AstroTurf, man. Go out there and check the seams and uh, oh it's, way, it's, it's way better than uh, that stuff.
0: The Three Rivers um, turf?
1: Three Rivers, man. You had to go, you had to go find the, uh, uh, the pitcher's mound. <laughs> and uh, let's see, the, uh, the third baseline ran mostly along along the end zone of all places. And, man, you had to go do a seam check, man. Hey, man, pitcher's mound's pretty bad today. Catch, keep an eye on it.
0: That is crazy. Literally.
1: So uh, it seems
0: like things have gotten better than, in your opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still at the same time, you know, it's not grass, right? It's right. It's not going to give. That grass is going to, you know, twist and, you know, a big chunk of it's going to go flying. And that, that's not happening with the stuff they're paying for.
0: All right, you figure in the NFL with all that money and all the money they invest in their players that they would just invest in grass fields. But it is what it is. Uh, Mr. Alan Fanica joining us here on episode eighty-one, and we get into Broncos Steelers. Steelers win twenty-six twenty-one, improved to two and zero behind an unbelievably ferocious defense and a pretty off pretty solid offensive performance uh, with Roethlisberger distributing the ball over the place, and then the Broncos fall to zero and two behind a disastrous offensive line performance. And injuries like I've never seen before on one football team unless you're called the San Francisco 49ers. So, first and foremost, how do the Steelers, in your opinion, Alan, cover up a first-year practice squad tackle and a rookie guard starting on the right side? They bring it up the first play of the game, and you don't hear them talk about it the remainder of the game. How can, how can that be on one side of the coin? And on the other side, with a guy like Mike Munchak as the head coach, how can the Broncos look as unprepared as they
1: did? Uh, you know, I think a lot of it goes to scheme. man. You, you look at uh, – you know what you got, right? This is who I've got, this is what I've got, and this is what I can, and this is what I cannot do. And you got to follow your script, and you got to know what, what those guys can do and not ask them things that they can't do. Uh, that, that's the first and most important thing, I think, especially when we're trying to cover up, you know, as the season goes on, this is going to be happening all over the NFL. You know, teams are going to have to cover up the new guy coming in on the offensive line and, and uh, uh, vice versa anywhere else at any other position. And you got to know how to cover it up, how to help that guy out or those that pair out. And, uh, you know, the, the next best thing is you got a veteran quarterback there that knows the same thing. And trust me, he knows it. And he is playing to that strength and weakness and he knows he's got to get rid of the ball and he's got that on his mind and that helps out big time.
0: And, you know, last year, the Broncos let Connor McGovern, a guy that they developed and turned into a $30 million center go to the Jets. And I watched the jet film this morning and they're not a very good football team, but they're definitely communicating in the interior three. And they had tried to replace him with a rookie in Lloyd Cushenberry and I know the rookie's got some talent. He's an LSU kid. I know you're, you're rooting for him, but his head was spinning the other day. And you could tell that the, the unspoken relationship between Roethlisberger and Pouncey and the ability for Mike to walk up and identify three defenders for two receivers, something that bit, bit the Broncos in the ass twice, two sacks and cost them the game, in my opinion. And change the protection, whereas the rookie isn't changing anything he's walking up there and said the coach said 60 protection it's 60 protection Uh, is that just come with reps or if you're one of the veterans on the offensive line isn't it your responsibility to help the rookie rather than just go
1: to film sure 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 man it it comes with confidence and, and and experience uh you know uh you know when i was in pittsburgh it was it wasn't just on the center you know it was it was really uh uh, the center and myself uh, and, and the other guard. I mean, it was on all three of us really uh, to, to make the calls, make the decisions, you know, that way, you know, you got your hand in the dirt, you can't see something. Hey, we got, we got communication between all three guys. I've never been, I've been in those systems where, you know, everybody keep their mouth shut. You know, a lot of teams, they only want the one guy talking. So they tell everybody, you know, boom, we got one line of communication going and, and that's it. And, you know, to me, that's a little awkward. You know, like just like you said, right? There's communication going on up and down the line. Who cares who sees the 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 linebacker walked out or not? Like we just like all let's talk. let every let's, let's let everybody know. So uh, you never know what they're going on on their inside. Um, but uh, you know, it's definitely you got you got to help the young guys out. You gotta you gotta be able to uh, you know help them grow and mature.
0: Yeah. And one thing that Bill Callahan, the great Bill Callahan, in my opinion, a, a guy that I played against in college, and then the next thing I knew, I'm an offensive lineman, and he's my coach in the NFL. It was crazy. Um, but he he always – I mean, he said this to me a million times. If everyone's wrong together, we're right. Make a call and make sure everybody's together with it and we can move forward, even if the call is wrong and we ID the wrong guy. As long as all five of us are together as a fist, we can win. And when I went to Miami, Mike Mazur preached the same thing. Look, if you're going to make the wrong call, make sure everybody knows it. If communication isn't happening, that's a lack of confidence, in my opinion. And I don't know where that's going to come from if you watch tape and just are getting your ass kicked, other than from the coach. Now, you know, Munchik. in your opinion – how can a hall of fame player like that and such a great coach not be able to get anything out of this group, but I mean, it's been going on uh, three seasons with Munchak, two seasons with Munchak. And it, I haven't seen if anything, I'm watching a decline from the other four positions and maybe bowls is steady, which is kind of a good thing.
1: Man, man. So I, I spent, I spent two seasons uh, coaching with uh munch uh, in the off seasons through OTAs and through training camp. And, uh, uh, I got nothing but the utmost respect for him, man. He's uh, he's a smart guy. If you ever spend a lot of time around he's smart. He sees the game. Uh, you know, he doesn't see the game as a coach. He sees it as a player, which player. is huge in the offensive line world. Uh, as you know, you've been around those guys that, you know, maybe haven't had their hand in the dirt, but all of a sudden they're coaching uh, the big guys. Uh, there's a big difference. So uh, if anybody's going to get him in line, it's going to be Munch. Uh, definitely uh, he is not the problem. And I can guarantee you that.
0: All right, so last question that I had for you here on on episode 81, McChesney Unchained, uh, in relation to Pittsburgh and Denver. Put yourself in, in Munchak's shoes. You have to go talk to Mr. Elway about the direction of this offensive line moving forward. Are you preaching, let's go get the best tackle available, or are we preaching quantity? and see w- if we can hit because there's multiple holes. How do you look at development in that regard? Are, are freaks freaks and you just have to find one? Or is it more an opportunity-based system and finding the best five?
1: You know, you're always going to find those diamonds in the rough, man. You know, you're going to find that third-rounder that, you know, you take a flyer on and boom, man, next thing you know, he's, he's been playing for you for six or seven years. Uh, you know, he's a rock right there for you. you you're going to be able to find those guys. And I think with the offensive line, you know, it's not like uh, other positions where you just need that one guy, right? So you can't go out and get, uh, you know, five studs on the O-line, but you can go get one, two, you know, maybe a three, but you still got to fill it out with some guys. You got to find them. You got to, you know, scour the, the, the draft board and uh, the league and, you know, scoop up some guys that, hey, I can do something with that guy. I, I can put that guy next to this guy and, and make that combination work. And that's, uh, you know, that's a little bit of the chess match of uh, putting together a front five.
0: NFL great Alan Fanica joining us here on episode 81 now I got two more questions for you fam number one give me your impression of Tom Brady and the the Broncos have Tampa Bay this weekend and you played for a long time in this league Tom is going on year like 30 and he still looks pretty good uh Ryan Jensen's a guy I've been working with a long time he's a center down there and he just raves about the the goat uh talk about the difference between just a quarterback and a guy like that uh walking into the room and and what he sh- could bring to tampa
1: man like i said you know to, when talking about Ben in the offensive line there you yeah. bring, you bring a, a, a wily old vet in there man a guy that's uh, smart smart can still do it uh elevates everybody else's game it's gonna make everybody else look good uh you know so all of a sudden that uh you know guy that's borderline uh, pro bowl look now looks like a solid pro bowl guy you know he's gonna elevate everybody's game and that's uh uh, that's that's huge on offense, man. You get a guy back there, all of a sudden, offensive line looks good, right? The ball's getting out on time. It's coming out. It's quick. Nobody's getting there because the ball's gone. You know, the guy's still the same. Still, still the same left tackle, but now he's not getting Giving up any pressure, you know. So he's making everybody look good.
0: Well, I, I equate it to this too: is when we were in New York, CP was there balling, and then all of a sudden Brett Favre rolls off the plane, and it was <laughs> it was different. I mean when when Brett walked into the meeting room we were like okay that's Brett Favre and I is that the way you felt too because as a practice squad developmental guy you know that looked up to guys like you and Meat and and you know Ferg and guys like that when you guys were all like holy shit that's Favre let's go I mean that that's got to be the way that that a great like Brady is revered right
1: sure sure no doubt man that's uh You know, all of a sudden, he's just dropped into your lot, man. And uh, literally, Favre was dropped into our lot. That was crazy. Overnight. Uh, So, uh, yeah, you know, man, all of a sudden, you're like, man, you got this guy. You know, let's use what he's got. You know, Favre was changing things in the huddle as he was, you know, learning things. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're like, all right, man, let's do it. Uh, So, you know, there's a little bit of that going on because they have their comfort, right? You know, Brett came from Green Bay, and he knew it was comfortable to him. And same thing. Tom spent all those years in uh, New England. You know, he's got his comfort zone. He, he could care less about what they're doing to a point because he wants to be comfortable within their system of what he's comfortable doing.
0: I'm excited to watch the Tampa Bay-Denver game this Sunday. All right, last question, just because it's something I'm going to talk about here as we move on. Put yourself in the GM shoes here in Denver. Von Miller's healthy at the beginning of next year. You're rebuilding. Do you try and trade him like they did Khalil Mack, or do you roll with Von Miller? Quick yes or no. Trade or no 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 trade no trade all right okay no trade by alan fanico all right cool all right episode 81 uh is fire i love it and having alan fanico on the show is awesome it's always a pleasure to have you alan thank you so much for coming on and preaching some truth here uh stay up down there brother and uh and and stay healthy thank you so much anytime brother And we roll here on episode 81 of McChesney Unchained coming to you from the DNBR bar and studio down here off of Colfax. This place is incredible. You got to get down here and support the Nuggets in game three and game four, five, six, and seven. That's what I said. They're going to make a run uh game two broke my heart but it's okay it's okay they come back when their backs against the wall and i've seen it and i believe it so get your ass down here to the dnvr uh bar and studio this place is incredible and i'm, I'm damn proud and honored to be down here doing the show hats off to everybody involved from adam to ali to ryan uh thanks for all your hard work so we move on uh alan fanico was on the show alan's going to be a hall of famer before you know it and i think he got snubbed the last time but you can only allow so many guards and centers in. kevin moai had to get in and Allen's up next, and that that guy was such a great pro. He helped me out so much when I was uh, when I was coming up in the league, and taught me so much stuff that I still try and implement and teach these days down at Six Zero. So remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at Six Zero Academy uh, on Twitter and Instagram, and then at DNVR Unchained uh, on Twitter as well to follow the show, and then at DNVR underscore Sports for all things DNVR. Uh, and you can always follow them, and it's a great follow. And in my opinion, they do the we do the very best job here uh, on the front range. Way more than a blog, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> All right, so week two was what it was, and the Broncos lose 26-21, fall to 0-2. And it's doom and gloom. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's not. I've been part of a 4-12 and team that was injury-bitten and couldn't get out of its own way. But the very next year when everyone was healthy, we were 10-6 and and in the playoffs. And we lost in the wild card round, but it was an amazing year to be a part of. So, look, man, you can't get over the injury bug. I think that 90% of the NFL teams have depth problems. So, yes, I think that that is... A problem now, but with all these guys being hurt, you're going to bring up a lot of guys that were practice squad players or bringing in guys on your list to be on the practice squad. They're going to get their eyes on so many bodies throughout this season, and all these guys are going to be playing that it's just going to make camp more competitive next year because you have so many guys on the field that have gotten reps, and that's how you build depth. So you may need to, to get your ass kicked one year and go 3-13 in order to get a high draft pick and build some depth on your football team. The last time the Broncos went 4-12 and 12 was my last year, and they got Vaughn the next year. So, it's not all bad. Now, look, there's nothing good about getting injured. But, I can tell you this, as a certified strength and conditioning specialist and an offensive and defensive line guru, guy that this is what I do for a living down at 6-0, and we, it, it works. My way works. I learned the majority of what I know from a strength and conditioning standpoint from Lauren Landau. He taught me. He trained me for six years while I was in the league. He trained me to go into the NFL. All you idiots, I don't know another word for it, who are out here saying, Lauren needs to lose his job because guys are getting hurt. Man, go back to tennis, dog. Football's a collision sport. People are going to get hurt. It's not his job to evade ACL injuries. It's impossible. So, again, that's that's lazy. And it's coming from the media a lot of the time, too, which is even lazier. So, first and foremost, that needed to get off the table, and it is. NFL injuries are what they are. You, we need to deal with them. And, again, it's going to provide opportunity. And this is an opportunity-based league. It means not for long, not National Football League, NFL. So, the Broncos lose 26-21. To be completely honest with you, I could care less if they win again. They're going to win some games. they got the Jets coming up. they got the Dolphins. They're going to win a division game. They're not going to go 0-16. They'll end up 4-12, 5-11. And
1: to be completely honest
0: with you, I'd rather them end up 3-13 if that's going to be the case because I'm not saying we need to suck for Trevor or Fields or any of these other guys, but if you're going to be bad, you might as well have the top pick. And I, I look at it like this. Even with Drew Locke under center, you don't pass up on potential greatness for somebody that could be potentially pretty good. And it's it's the competition-based business that we're in. It's why they don't have any more bonus babies. It's why you don't draft a first-round rookie quarterback and then pay him $80 million anymore like Sam Bradford got, the last bonus baby. It's the reason Arizona drafted Josh Rosen 10 and then got the first pick and drafted Kyler Murphy Kyler Murray won and bam, Rosen's on the practice squad in Tampa Bay. Why are we not trying to pick him up? See if we can kick the tires on him if he's any good. This is why. Because Denver doesn't develop. And this is my point. They need to find superstar quarterback talent. Because I don't believe they can develop the talent. I don't that Peyton Manning didn't need development. He needed he needed Robbins everywhere. He's Batman. I need 10 Robins and we'll go win a Super Bowl, and they did. Von Miller doesn't need to be developed. He needs to be drafted. He's a superstar, period. They need the highest pick they can get so they can get Justin Fields or Lawrence or whoever emerges this year as the next superstar talent, and they need to ride with that guy, period. And if Drew Locke beats Mountain Camp, Drew Locke beats Mountain Camp. But I, I'm listening to this. Discussion: The Joe Burrow, Andy Dalton, you know, move on from Andy. Locke is Andy Dalton. He's a he, he's a rich man's Andy Dalton because nobody can be a poor man's Andy Dalton. He's already that guy. But you don't pass on Joe Burrow. You don't. You don't pass on Tua Tungavailoa. You don't. You don't pass on Kyler Murray. You just don't do it when you see somebody that fits scheme. And my question to Denver to the Denver Broncos is: What is our scheme? Why do we keep recycling offensive coordinators? And is Vic Fangio going to be the guy? So, if we're going to move forward with a young offensive football team, Vic Fangio can't be the coach in Denver anymore. And Yeah, we're 0-2 and I might be jumping the gun, but when we're 0-5 or 1-4 going into the bye week, everybody's going to be beating this drum. And I was beating it last year when they couldn't win a game in the fourth quarter and they don't know how to use timeouts and they can't develop any offensive scheme that's different. The fact that we can't – look, good offensive football teams change. If your plan isn't any good, that's because you can't change it, period. Any plan that's worth a shit can be changed. Look at what the 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 Patriots did. They went from having a statue of quarterback, four or five wide, quick throws to being to looking like Auburn and running the ball for 220 yards a game because they got a quarterback to fit. And they were like, "Okay, what can he do?" Rather than asking him to fit a scheme, uh, it's time for the Broncos to grow up and hire. Go hire Joe Brady as your offensive or as your head coach, the offensive coordinator and passing game coordinator for the Panthers that that helped Joe Burrow develop. That's scoring you know thirty points a game for the Panthers in his first two. So I, I'd like to think that that guy's out there. I'm not. He's just an example. You don't have to go hire him. I'm saying with a young, spry offensive football team that's about to get younger because we're going to have a high pick. And I, I, I would bet that they go quarterback if they're top three. And it's looking like we could be top three right now. Especially with the Jets having Darnold and, the, and Miami having Tua. Although, if you're the Jets, why wouldn't you take another flyer on a quarterback? This is kind of my point. Just sitting back and saying we have the guy is how you lose in this league. It's why we're in the situation we're in now where Jeff frickin' Driscoll is starting games for the Denver Broncos. Because we didn't bring in competition for Locke. We, bring it, we brought in a guy that could back him up. Domino's Pizza. <laughs> uh, so, so look, man, I, I think that you have to breed competition in this league. And if you don't breed competition in this league, you get stagnant and you're one deep. And that's what the Broncos are. They're one deep. So I, I'm looking at this situation that Denver finds themselves in. Where do you start? Do you start on the offensive line? Do you continue to do you continue to bring guys in in the free agent market that were developed by somebody else just to be let down? Is Glasgow and his 45 50 million dollars really better than McGovern and his 30? Especially after the problems we saw that we will absolutely and unequivocally go over in the turning point here as we talk about the problems with the Broncos' offensive line and protection scheme. That was bad, man. It was bad techni- w- technique-wise, and it was bad scheme-wise, and we will elaborate. I can't wait to get this turning point show done just so we can post it so I can sit there and go, look, it's fixable. And that, I guess that's the point. Regardless of all the negativity and how bad things get, everything is fixable. And the NFL means not for long. You're not going to be bad for long. If you do it right, bring in as much competition as humanly possible. I don't care if it's veteran free agents, undrafted free agents, or draft picks. It's time. When Vaughn gets healthy, it's time to move on from 58 because this football team's not competitive the next two or three years. Go see if you can get a first-rounder for Vaughn. I don't know if you can coming off an injury. His 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 value might be down, which is insane to me, but it might be. Do you re, do you bring Simmons in on a massive contract or let him walk after uh, the franchise tag? I don't know the answer to that question. That's a John Elway question. I wouldn't be surprised if they let him walk if they're rebuilding. Kareem Jackson's probably got to move on. I mean, you've got to get rid of any high high price price tag on your offensive or on your offensive and defensive side of the, of the field. Keep McManus around. You're going to need a field goal kicker. Going to have a lot of opportunities to do that with young quarterback. So uh, they need to repair their offensive line. They have to invest in the offensive tackle position. It can't just be one way. You need two of them. Um, I, I know that they invested draft capital in, in Cushenberry, and he, he looks like he's going to be the future at center, but you've got to help the kid develop mentally. He can't get one look he hasn't seen before and have what happened on Sunday happen because – the inability to have a veteran up there that can change protection and put us in a better look is why Drew Locke is hurt. Not sliding to a TE game with, with Bud Dupree and Alou running it when you're a three-man ring away, which is what we're going to talk about in The Turning Point. Get your quarterback killed. Him not being able to read past one read gets him killed. And it's not as if Driscoll didn't come in and play well. He did. He actually came in and played pretty damn well. But I, I said this to myself the other when I was watching the game the other day. The Steelers aren't just beating the Broncos. The Steelers are punishing the Broncos for being on the field with them on Sunday. How, I mean, they that team didn't get beat. That team got destroyed on Sunday. The Steelers lined up and beat the hell out of the Denver Broncos on Sunday. They hurt the quarterback. They hurt the number one receiver. They hurt the number two receiver. <laughs> And then they hurt the ego of everybody else on the field that was there. I mean, it, 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 we opened up the game. We, I say the Denver Broncos, pounded Melvin Gordon, and that that was gone immediately after Drew Locke got hurt. They immediately reverted off of that. So I don't want to sound negative, and I'm not saying the season is over. They could come and, and, and they could get competitive in some games and pull pull a couple of wins out. But I, I'm saying this. I watched the rest of the AFC West, and they have gotten better, all of them. And New England's not taking a step back. I think they might be better suited with Cam at, at quarterback with the personnel they have, honestly. I mean, Tom Brady ran the hell out of the ball his last three years in New England. The AFC stacked. They got good t- – two teams are making the, the playoffs out of the north, and Cleveland's going to be fighting for that third spot. It – It's time to look at ourselves in the mirror and accept what it is. We are being forced, forced to develop. We are being forced to reevaluate the way we're doing things. And we are being forced through injury to reevaluate the way this team is built and sustained. Now, I asked Allie this question because she's an Eagle fan and, and she gave me the right answer. The Eagles are 0-2 and struggling really bad and have depth problems and yada, yada, yada. Would you trade your title to be consistent every year? And the answer was absolutely not. So Super Bowl 50, I hope it was worth it because the last four years leading on five now have been shit. It's not the way the Denver Broncos want to operate. But but I think I, I'm in the same boat with Ali. I I can't say that I would sit here and trade the that season – especially at the end of the Peyton Manning era, after they had lost the way they did to Seattle, I wouldn't trade two Super Bowl appearances and have one victory for four or five years of just being a wild card team and maybe getting popped out in the AFC title game twice. I'd rather win a title than just be good. Now, the thing is, you can do both. You can. You can do both in this league. And until we find the quarterback to do both with... We're going to be having this conversation a lot. So, the Drew Locke hanging on to him, you know, and and yeah, he can come back this year and play. And next year, he's going to have some supreme competition. And maybe he'll be trade bait, especially if the team's bad. If Drew Locke doesn't want Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in the meeting room with him next year, go win at seven or eight games. Come back and win out. And you won't, and people will stop talking about this. But if you go out against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and within the first drive, you're hurt. That's not good. As a guy who couldn't stay healthy in the National Football League, your opportunities are going to dry up really, really, really fast if you can't stay healthy. And hurting his throwing shoulder and hearing it's a rotator cuff injury and it's not that bad. <laughs> that's, like, that's like hearing Verlander's Tommy John surgery isn't that bad. He's a, he's a quarterback, man. Any trauma to his shoulder is not good. Ask Drew Brees. So, <clears throat> we'll see what happens. Uh, the Broncos host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sunday. Tom Brady, the GOAT, walks into town. Uh, you know, I've been working with Ryan Jensen a long time. He's the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I've never heard him this uh, just pumped up about playing football. I mean, that's what playing with the Hall of Famer does, just like Alan Fanica said. Uh, I'm eager to see how Denver competes this week. You know, everybody and their mother is going to just pick Tampa to come in here and roll the Broncos, backups essentially. And I, I really am hoping that the Broncos come out and give them a fight and we see some of these young guys kind of turn their nose up at the at the notion that the season's over. You know, as a, as a player who was at the bottom of the roster my entire career and had to fight for everything I got – And got cut all the time and picked up and opportunity and then cut. And it's the way the National Football League is, NFL, not for long. I don't know how to, like, suck for a draft pick. I think of it as a coward move. Now, we might just suck enough to get the draft pick. That's something different. So I really hope that the team plays their ass off and we're just one or two pieces away from being – pretty competitive in winning football games, like I think we are. I mean, we only lost 26 to 21 and we had five games, four games, five games last year that should have been won at the end of the game where we were up or had an opportunity to win. So I know the talent is there. The thing is, is the head coach gonna be there in the future? And if he's not, then what are we doing to lame duck head coach? So there's there's a lot of decisions that need to be made and losing football games, I don't know if it's gonna make it easier or harder. I haven't figured that one out yet, so. Everyone check out The Turning Point. It's going to be posted up here today at DNVR.com and also on uh, the Twitter page, dnvr underscore sports. Check that out. Get your ass down here tonight to watch the Nuggets in Game 3 against the Lakers uh, <clears throat> at the DNVR bar down here off of Colfax. I'm Matt McChesney. That was Episode 81 of McChesney Unchained coming to you from the studio down here at the DNVR bar. Thanks for listening, folks. Take it easy.